Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. We all have stories in our lives about letting go. Sometimes we have to let go of what we think should be happening in order to accept what is happening. Sometimes we let go of attitudes that hold us back. Sometimes we let go of dreams. Sometimes we let go of careers or professions or the way we've done things. And sometimes we let go of people that we love. This is one of those stories. Last September, I went back to my family home in Ohio for the first time in 20 years. I went back with my wife and my two adult children, and I spent some time with my brother George and his wife Barb in the family home at 321 North Cherry Street. And I also visited with my brother Harold and his wife Jane and various nieces and a lot of children. One of the highlights of that visit was taking a walk on the Amish Road about five miles outside of my hometown. There is a road that only has Amish farms on it. So there's no power lines, there's no pavement, just a gravel road. And the most frequent vehicles that you see are horse and buggy. And of course, there's a few horse apples here and there. Um, a family tradition for over 60 years, we'd park our car at one end of the road. We'd walk the two and a half miles to the other end of the road and then back. So to be able to do that with my two brothers, George and Harold, and my family was just a special treat. While we were there, Brother Harold looked fantastic. He'd been working out all summer. He'd been riding his bike and swimming and walking. I even commented, I said, man, you look, you look better than you've looked in years. And he did. About two weeks later, we were back in Portland, and I got news that Harold wasn't feeling so well. The stomach pains that had been coming a little bit infrequently in the summer started to pick up, and he began to lose weight. In two months, he lost 40 pounds. Few tests, an operation, and the diagnosis came on January 1st of this year. Pancreatic cancer, just a few months to live. I began to let go. I've learned how to let go in my life. So I began to grieve, pre-grieving. I don't know if that's something that you can do, but that's what I did. And I would wait until my family was, was gone for a few hours, so if I really needed to wail, really needed to let it out, I would do so. And every once in a while, it would just come up. And I found that the rhythms of deep, sorrowful crying and the rhythms of laughter are really similar. And they rock the body in a certain way. And the body sort of becomes a sound, almost like a string that's been plucked on a guitar. And the sound of both is healing, and it's good. Harold was my closest sibling. We shared many things, including an attitude towards life, a love for life, and a love for service. And we also loved literature. 
I was an English teacher for many years at a local high school, and Harold was a wonderful poet. Over the years, the last 25 years or so of our lives, we exchanged hundreds of emails. We sent each other poems that we were writing. We sent book suggestions, and we'd send humorous stories or poignant stories, things that we thought the other would appreciate. But the most important thing is that Harold is the last person in my life who knew the entire arc of my life and still showed me warm and personal care consistently. What happened next was a period of rapid change. The emails from Harold became shorter, so paragraphs became sentences. Sentences became a single sentence. The last email I got was, happy birthday on March 12th. The phone calls changed as well. His voice modulated, it became lighter. One time I called him up on the phone and he sounded, sounded like an adolescent. The next time I called, he sounded like a young boy. He just didn't have the air anymore. And then came the silent phone call. Harold could hear me, but he had no voice to reply. The ping pong of conversation was gone, and I didn't know what to say, except I love you. Imagine someone that you love dearly, and suddenly they're no longer able to keep up their half of the conversation. About this time, I had a lucid dream. I had a dream with Harold's wife, Jane, and we were at 321 North Cherry Street and talking about their lives together. They had a marriage of about 53 years. And they were talking and they were reviewing their lives together. She was reviewing their lives together in this dream and talking about how they raised their children. And then the scene changed and Jane and I were standing beside this fast-moving river and there were trees on either side of an aisle, much like this aisle right here. And Harold came down the aisle between the trees and he was dressed in a white robe. And he was about 25 again and he had a full dark beard, even had hair. And behind him was his daughter, Jennifer. And he was coming to the river for a baptism. And I knew that his time was coming to a close, that this was his time of transition. I made plans to go home to see him. I knew it was something that I really wanted to do, and I had originally planned to go back on the 16th of March, and then the family said, well, other people are visiting. Would you put it off for another couple of weeks? And I said, sure. So I changed my ticket, you know, write out a little more, more money. Um, and then my nephew, John, texted me on the 15th of March, and he said, you better come tomorrow. <laughs> so I changed my ticket again, uh, shelled out some more money, um, and arrived on the 16th of March, just like my original plan. That night I spent uh, in the family home at 321 with my brother George and his wife Barb, and I had another dream that night, a lucid dream. 
and I was there with Harold, and I was there with George, and we hugged each other, and then Harold and I kissed each other on the cheek, and he said, it's so hard to compress an entire lifetime into a single meeting. The next day, George and I drove up to Bowling Green, Ohio, where my brother was in hospice, and I was so grateful to be with George. It was a great comfort. And we arrived in the hospice parking lot, and I waited, I paused, and he said, are you ready? I hesitated. If any of you out there are younger siblings, and you've had an older sibling who's been a significant source of reflection, someone who's pulled for you to do well, especially when you were struggling mightily, you can understand why I paused. I brought a book of poetry, partly to have something to hold on to, but also because I knew my brother would love it if I read a poem. And I chose a poem by William Wordsworth called Tintern Abbey. It's a wonderful poem, and it has the past and the present and the future all rolled up into one. And Wordsworth is there by the River Wye with his sister, and the poem is written from the perspective of, a, of an older sibling in the future who will no longer be there to reflect back. And my brother, he has this pain medication, but through that, he came and said to me, don't read it, da-da, 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 you know? And so I put as much feeling into it as I could. Now, I'm of the age, and some of you may be that similar age, where print seems to get smaller every year. <laughs> Throw in about 30 tears and it was probably the most difficult reading I've ever done in my life. But you know, in that moment, in that couple of hours, all that was in that room was love. The three brothers held hands, something we don't usually do. George was on one side of the bed and I was on the other. And we talked about our family history and we talked about the hardships, the sorrow, and we talked about our shared responsibility, and we talked about how grateful we were for each other. And just like ancient peoples used to be buried with their tools to take along to the next life, we surrendered bits and pieces of ourselves back to the universe to give to Harold on his journey. And all too soon, it was time to go. Harold said, please stay. But we couldn't. So we both kissed him goodbye on the top of the head, and we walked out. And I came back to Portland. My brother Harold lived a short, happy life. That's a literary reference. Only 71 years. But the most important thing about him is that he embraced life 
And he did so much with his life. And that combination, that short life, and this willingness to try new things, to push himself beyond limitations, and to be this creative artist and this caring person, kind of made me reflect and say, you know, I need to do a few more things. I need to try some new things here. It's one of the reasons why I'm talking to you tonight. In this experience, I learned that life doesn't do things to us. Life does things for us. And every single experience that we have will help us to grow if we allow it to. Harold, what you meant to me, I give back to you on your journey home. Thank you.